listening to a Drishti Point podcast. Please visit our website for more inspiring interviews on yoga, spirituality, and wellness. Point five FM. Douglas, are you there? Yes, I can yes. hear you, Sherry. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Sorry for we've been having. Obviously, we need a lot better karma to get you back on the radio. <laughs> and I'm well, hoping, I'll work at it here also. Okay, well, I'm, I'm hoping the listeners were uh, hearing some of what we had to say. I was introducing you. As this being your uh, a repeat performance, you were you were with us before when you visited us uh, on the book tour of White Lama, and when you came back to teach the Shamatha workshop and lead the Shamatha meditation retreat earlier this year, and we're very excited that you're going to be coming back in the beginning of November to teach a new meditation workshop on the four applications of mindfulness, and then coming back again in March of the new year to lead a new retreat, this time up at Loon Lake. So welcome back. Thank you. I'm really delighted to be back in this time zone on this time <laughs> on this continent. You've just returned from Singapore, I understand. Yes. In fact, it was uh, six days ago that I left Singapore, and uh, we did a 10-day retreat there that uh, was a unique one. I'd never done anything quite like that. It was uh, set right in the middle of the city. Oh, my goodness, right in downtown Singapore. Yeah, it was actually set at a place um, called a concept hostel, oh. and it, which was uh, funny because that's what we were really uh, focusing on, being, you know, examining concepts. But <laughs> this was right on the uh, the main strip with a karaoke bar right next door and, you know, probably 10 blocks or so of bars and restaurants and and there were actually other people not in the retreat that were sharing the hostel with us. And I have to tell you, I was a little skeptical about it uh, to begin with, but I learned a lot <laughs> simply because it worked. You know, it, it, it worked amazingly well. Well, what a wonderful um, set of circumstances to test the practice in. Yeah. <laughs> That's wonderful. So you're coming back uh, November 1, 2, 3 to Vancouver to teach the four applications of mindfulness. Now, how is this related to the shamatha practice? Can you give us a bit of background? Yeah, well, um, if you and the, the listeners remember, the shamatha practice is really the foundation of all meditation practice. And so that um, is what we really focus on. This is what the great masters of 2,500 years said. Focus first on shamatha, which is developing the qualities of stability and vividness in your meditation. So you could say that's like the contemplative technology. Mm. And then we, uh, once, what do we do with that technology once we have developed that, which is not an easy thing, and uh, you need to devote some serious practice to that. But what do you do with that? Is that the end of your path? Right. Well, the, all of the masters say that, no, that's actually the beginning. And what you do then is you begin to use the contemplative technology to do contemplative science. And the, so that's uh, referred to as Vipassana practice in Sanskrit uh, or insight practice. So you use the, the tools of stable and vivid attention that you have cultivated in the shamatha practice and shamatha is usually that's a sanskrit word also mm -hmm. uh, that means 
uh, quiescence or quietude, calm abiding, but it really refers to that uh, ability to stay single-pointedly focused on an object of your choice. Okay. Then you, <clears throat> Vipassana always means uh, or connotes an inquiry. And so you then begin to ask, uh, inquire about uh, the nature of your own mind and the nature of the world. And you do that then from this still point of attention. It's an extraordinary practice. Mm. It sounds beautiful. Yeah, and it's, you know what, uh, a lot of your listeners are probably well familiar with analytical practice. Right. Uh, and so that it's different than that. And I, I really uh, like to emphasize that because it's like the shamatha practice that people get excited about because it it's different than visualizations. It's different than analytical practice because it's all experiential. It's what's going on now and recognizing what's going on now and and using the the same practices or the the same skills really that you developed in the shamatha practice then to examine these four domains so the the practice of vipassana actually comes out of a, a text from the buddha in the pali canon called the satipatthana sutta which means the four applications of mindfulness and so that's really um Shamatha, or the samadhi of shamatha, turned on four different domains of our experience. Mm. And that is, first of all, the, the body, which is not only my body, but all of the physical universe. Then there is the phenomena of feelings, and then there is the, the third domain, is the phenomena of mental experience. And then the fourth is called <clears throat> all dharmas. So you put it all together then to examine how all of these other three domains interact to cause the experiences of your life. Okay. So I, I read in uh, a little bit of an introduction to this um, that I received when we were preparing the information to promote your workshop for Three Jewels that the four applications of mindfulness as a practice is the Buddha's innovative antidote to four problem-causing misconceptions about the mind and the nature of the world it perceives. So I am assuming that the four uh, areas are just the four that you went through, the body, feelings, the mind, and the fourth one that you called all dharmas. Um, without giving away the entirety of your workshop coming up, can you perhaps just enlighten the listeners on what the main misunderstandings are that are the root of all, all of our problems? Um, sure. The, it, because it is pretty simple, um, at least to categorize. The, so we have uh, our entire Vipassana practice is, first of all, we establish this uh, point of samadhi, to inquire within these four fields, but then we ask three different questions of each of these four fields as we examine our own experience. So um, what we are doing is trying to understand or to grasp the truth of our experience of physical sensations, of the physical world, uh, of our feelings, of the um, mental experiences and then all how all of this fits together but we're doing that by asking three different questions 
And these are typically referred to as, in Buddhism as the three marks of existence. Mm-hmm. So what we do, uh, the Pashna always uh, involves an inquiry. And so what we do are doing is examining these three or four domains then to see whether they are permanent or impermanent, whether they are a true cause of suffering or happiness, or whether there are other factors involved. And then um, also whether they demand or require a self, or whether there is a self that is indicated within any of these experiences. So it's the mistake, basically it's a misapprehension uh, because we haven't examined these four domains. And these four domains really are our entire experience of the world and of ourselves. And so all of our experiences, you could say, contaminated by these mistaking, uh, making three mistakes here. Right. What we're trying to do is to uh, reveal these three mistakes in these four domains that we mistake things that are, are really, when we examine them, our experience of them. So this isn't an analysis or conceptual or philosophical, but we're actually looking at the phenomena of tactile sensations within, in our own body and uh, with, um, at whatever is revealed to us of the world by our five physical senses. Mm-hmm. And then we examine it. Is, that, is it actually permanent, or does that reveal itself in our experience as impermanent? Uh, and then I guess you go further down the, the rabbit hole, so to speak, in terms of going into... Um, uh, whether whether it is true for you or whether it's in in um, affected by other factors or whether there is even a self in the whole experience, as you were just saying, this sounds a little complicated. But you prefaced this by saying that it was simple. Is it is it really something that someone who doesn't have a whole lot of experience could still um, gain enough experience or practice during this workshop to continue? Mm-hmm, yeah. Uh, people don't need any experience at all. And oh, in fact, great. <laughs> the, the, the beauty of shamatha and vipassana, um, and especially in this presentation that we're doing, is that it doesn't require a belief system whatsoever. Uh, you don't have to be a Buddhist. You don't have to uh, be anything but curious about what you're experiencing. And so that's the, the truth is not in... Uh, we're not trying to... Uh, teach a dogma of any sort at all. What we're trying to do is to examine our own experience and the truth of our own experience and see if it, it corresponds to our conceptual pre- our, uh, preconceptions of what we're experiencing. Mm-hmm. And the, the whole point, you could say, of shamatha and vipassana is to untangle this conflation of concepts and direct experience. And so what we're saying here, or what the, and what the Buddha said, is that rely on your own experience, and you, that will lead you to the truth that um, because the, your misapprehension, your conceptual overlay is what's causing all of your problems. Right. And if you can disentangle those and, and rely on the truth of your own experience, um, you're on the road to happiness, to genuine happiness. Well, that sounds like a promise that we can't uh, miss out on. And I love this whole thing about it's not relying on any particular belief system except to have the element of curiosity. 
And I think that any yogi or aspiring meditator is, if nothing else, curious. So that's very reassuring. Mm, The whole mindfulness, you know, the four applications of mindfulness, it sounds that to be mindful would be simple enough, but... uh, Often the simple sounding things are um, difficult to do, but how does this practice help us turn those habits around? As you said earlier, it's not through analysis, it's through experiential um, awareness. And so is this a combination of, uh, well, actually you said earlier that it wasn't visualization. So are we going to be tapping into the breath or are we going to be moving on from that? Well, uh, we will use the the foundation of focusing our attention on the breath. Um, So it's especially challenging in this time, in our 2013 contemporary world global culture. It was interesting while I was, uh, before Singapore, I was in the Himalayas, uh, the Indian Himalayas, for three months, three and a half months before that. And what was surprising to me was how... uh, the things that the the tools or you know all of the amenities of our global culture have penetrated all of the finest capillaries of the world these days and so you would see women who are carrying fodder for their cattle dressed in traditional dress with gold in their ears and in their noses and looking exactly like a you know your image of uh, 500 years ago, except wow. that they had a smartphone to their ears. <laughs> um, so you could say, you know, in the, the Shamatha workshops, we examine what are the unique difficulties that we have in our contemporary culture that is training us to be multitaskers. Uh-huh. And so the, that is a, a unique challenge that we have that uh, wasn't faced by any previous generation. And so what we need to do is to, because the whole point of Shamatha and mindfulness is to be able to sustain your attention on a chosen object. Mm-hmm. And that is extremely difficult these days when the, the ping of your inbox uh, will distract you from whatever it is that you're doing and, and get you to pick up that device and uh, change what you have been focusing on. So the right. whole point of shamatha practice is to begin from where we are right now mm-hmm and recognize that um, if we are going to develop this ability uh, with the promise that uh, contemplatives who have mastered this say that when you achieve true shamatha, uh, you can keep your attention on your chosen object for four hours without, without the slightest deviance of either flying off into excitation or beginning to fall asleep. Um, so that's an extraordinary accomplishment that, that very is. few people, uh, you know, uh, th- with an untrained mind have ever experienced anything approximating that. But uh, if you could do that, uh, what would you, what would be revealed from that perspective, from that perspective of right. samadhi mm-hmm. about your own mind? And then how, how does your mind then, could you actually witness how your mind turns events of perception into what look like independent objects out there in the world. Right. That remind your last statement reminds me of of one of the famous quotes from the Yoga Sutra about how the mind perverts or inverts or reverts things around, um, and we like to add in the wrong way. So. 
That's uh, very profound. We're going to take a quick station break, and we will be back after this song to talk more with Doug Feenhoff. You're listening to Drishti Point on Co-op Radio 100.5 FM. You're listening to Drishti Point Radio on Co-op Radio 100.5 FM. I'm Sherry Kajawara, and I'm here speaking with Douglas Feenhoff. We've been talking about the Buddha's four applications of mindfulness. And, Douglas, you were mentioning um, the word vipassana and giving the definition of that earlier. I know in Vancouver there is a very popular meditation practice, and, and not just in Vancouver, but it is particularly popular here for people to go on vipassana retreats. Could you tell us a little bit? about the difference between that and what we're talking about here? Um, well, there are a, f- a few dif- uh, technical differences um, between, so for one, uh, Vipassana is a Sanskrit term and it connotes this, refers to the same thing, that is Vipassana, which is a term in Pali. Right. Um, and then there's... Uh, you know, at the so I think it's Vipassana really that is has uh, popularized the term mindfulness mm. in the last twenty years or so, and it largely the most of the practices of uh, Vipassana that uh, have are, have been popularized in the West come out of the Thai or Burmese forest traditions. It seems. Um, so that's you know there's great great similarities. Uh, the one there's you know one what um, is not such a technical difference. It's really a, quite a fundamental difference, and that is that uh, the the approach to mindfulness in uh, the um, the approach that the the Buddha uh, taught in the Satipatthana Sutta really says anchor your mind on a chosen object. So it's different than um, you know, just attending to whatever appears with open, choiceless awareness. So it's a difference of the practice in that way. Okay. Uh, but otherwise, it's uh, you know, you know, both mm-hmm. both are extraordinary. If anyone has an opportunity to do either uh, in a retreat setting, they should certainly avail themselves and then decide for themselves the distinction. Probably. Right. Now, you are leading a workshop uh, coming up very soon, but in March, you're going to be leading a full retreat. Will it be on the four um, applications of mindfulness? Yes. Uh, so I'm very excited about that uh, because the Pashna is something that, uh, because it's so experiential, it, rather than being analytical, it really requires a lot of meditative experience to do, you know, to really have these kind of realizations that we're hoping that uh, have the power to dispel our misapprehensions. Mm -hmm. So um, on October 1st, I'm going to be coming to Vancouver and uh, for uh, a weekend workshop. So October 1st, sorry, that's November November 1st. (laughs) New country. Uh, We are uh, beginning that uh, with the Friday night two-hour session that uh, will be a review of shamatha practice. So that will be very beneficial for people who have, even uh, people who have been to the previous workshops or retreat, shamatha retreat. Uh, It's a very nice uh, overview that 
you know, just hits the highlights. But even for people who have never um, meditated before, honestly, someone who has never meditated before will learn the, the fundamentals then of meditation for how you focus on, so we're going to be dealing on uh, Friday night with uh, breath technique. And so how do you uh, focus on tactile sensations, the sense of touch, to develop stability and vividness? Uh, and then over the course of the weekend, what we'll do is we'll use that basic approach then and uh, ask these three questions within the four domains of the four applications of mindfulness then to try to develop or to have an understanding of the truth of our experience. So on the, the weekend workshop, uh, there's the emphasis is on the introduction to the conceptual framework. And there will be, uh, there is meditation uh, involved in, so trying to develop some, some experiential uh, realization uh, or at least to be able to touch it a bit um, with all of the, the conceptual framework that I'm introducing. So the, the workshop is, you know, me talking uh, largely and then with a couple of, you know, an hour, hour and a half of meditation right. or something like that okay. in 10 minute sessions. And then over the course of the retreat, uh, 10 days of retreat, it's just the opposite. There's, uh, I, I introduce again the, the concepts, but it's the emphasis there is on the uh, experience developed through meditation. So again, someone who has never even been at the workshop and at the last retreat that we did in um, near Whistler, north of Vancouver, I was really surprised that uh, maybe a quarter of the people had, that were at the retreat hadn't been to the previous workshop, mm -hmm. but there's just enough of instruction uh, and framework that they can then just begin to apply that, and they had tremendous experiences. So someone could show up at the retreat having not been to the workshop, and there'll be just enough instruction, but the emphasis there is on uh, the actual meditation experience. And uh, because of the particular approach that we take there, which I think uh, is the, the best system that I've ever uh, encountered, which is using short sessions of 24 minutes uh, and using a variety of different meditation postures, people are able instantly, even if they have never meditated before, to begin meditating. Uh, I think on the first day we were doing six and a half hours, something like that. That's remarkable. Uh, ends up at the end of, um, you know, with, when we get into the real heart of the 10-day retreat, uh, retreaters are able to do uh, to do 20 gatkas, which is you know a nominal 10 hours of meditation, without being wiped out by, without being fatigued. And people will often report that the the last session of the day, which begins at, from 6:30 in the morning and goes to 8:30 at night, uh, people will often report that the last session of the day was their best. Oh, uh, fantastic. The, the system works very well. <laughs> and so one gataka is the 24-minute session, is it? Correct. Right. Yeah, so it's, we do 24 minutes of sitting meditation or lying meditation or walking meditation and then take a six-minute break after that. Right, fantastic. 
So just to recap, on Friday, November the 1st, it'll be uh, a Shamatha review from 7 to 9 in the evening. And then on Saturday and Sunday, immediately following the workshop on the four applications of mindfulness, I believe will be taking place from noon till 5 each day. And uh, there is registration information available for all three of those at info at 3 com. And there's already some early registration information available for the four applications of mindfulness retreat, which will, I have the dates of February 28th to March 9th, 2014. So I believe there's a few different things um, available during that also for people who perhaps can't carve out the full time, but there will be like the weekend portion. Is that right? Uh, yes. The um, I think that the uh, Three Jewels organizers have done an extraordinary job of making it accessible. And so what uh, the plan is that we are going to be doing a weekend retreat uh, and then be um, so that people who can't get away for the, the entire 10-day retreat We'll have a retreat experience and really get the exposure to what it's like to meditate intensively uh, and get a lot of several hours of meditation in on each of these major points. And then on, so there'll be a weekend retreat uh, in Vancouver, so very easy for people to get to in the morning and we'll be going into the, you know, to to the evening. And then um, on Monday, we'll be leaving for Loon Lake and begin at Monday noon or so with the the real longer portion of the retreat. Wonderful. So information on all of this is available at the Three Jewels Vancouver website, which is simply www.3jewelsvancouver.com. And, Doug, I don't think even you might know this yet, but Three Jewels is about to embark on a fundraising pledge drive, which is going to be based around a 24-hour meditation marathon. And there's going to be... (laughs) It's going to be in the Gatakas over three days to equal... So 24-minute sessions... uh, I believe it's in um, eight over over the course of eight hours uh, in in a go over three days that will start in November a couple dates in November and ending on December 21st and I have to say the uh, crew at Three Jewels Vancouver was totally inspired to do this through your shamatha training so thank you for that. And more information on that will be available at www.3jewelsvancouver.myevent.com. So, Doug, because we had a bit of technical difficulty at the beginning, we've run out of time. Is there any last words of wisdom for our listeners? Uh, Well, I hope that you can um, show up for my appearance there. Uh, And if you can't, my hearty recommendation is that you check out Three Jewels Vancouver because they... uh, seem to implement this quickly as the fundraiser indicates and uh so if you if you miss it uh this is not your only opportunity by any means to get uh, shamatha vipassana instruction and check out three jewels vancouver because they uh have extraordinary meditation teachers there that will i have a feeling be putting this into practice very quickly there at the center very quickly and thank you again doug for being with us today apologies for the the delay uh but we look so forward to having you in town uh, very very soon i'm really looking forward to it sherry Thank you for listening to Drishti Point. 
We dedicate our efforts to the health and happiness of our listeners and for the health and happiness of all living beings.